0: everyone welcome back to another episode of spark your fire It's our uh, most beloved friday segment as always uh you know a fantastic time for uh for jazz and i and john typically to get together and uh, have a have a chat and have a wonder about what's happening around this uh, uh well, how should i put it an interesting time that we live in that's for sure you know never a dull moment and never Never run out of things to talk about, and to uh, and to get and to get caught. Just uh, before we jump on the air, you know, Jazz was kind of complaining how difficult it is to get on top of all the Bitcoin news lately, <laughs> which uh, which is interesting because uh, you know, for for a talented man like him <laughs> to make such comments <laughs> about the rate of change that's ongoing, it's phenomenal. Don't you agree, Jazz?
1: I like the word talented over there.
0: <laughs> I know your wife doesn't give it to you, so that's why I'd give it to you. <laughs> well, happy yeah. Friday. We are
1: exactly. back. Exactly. Um, it's two some today, no threesome. John's missing.
0: Uh, that John. That John. <laughs> So, which means we're gonna miss we're gonna miss our conspiracy theory segment today. That's basically what it is. <laughs> uh, but it's all good. Look, you know, Jazz and I will uh, we'll hold a fort today, uh, and we're still gonna do a deep dive in terms of what's been happening around. Um, I guess today we'll probably start. Off, well, let's start off with the property, which is which is, and uh, you know, and a bit about the finance side of things. That's our most beloved segment, anyway. So the, an interesting observation that I saw this week, Jazz, um, is that the um, the, the Australia two year bond just blew up. Mm-hmm. This is this is literally about a couple of days ago. You know, if you if you do a search on Australia two year bond yield curve, mm-hmm. you'll see that it's gone vertically, vertical, almost vertical, basically in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And you know, doing a bit of digging out of it, it's kind of saying, yeah, it's. It's, it's funny because the, it seems like the Central Bengal Reserve Bank at the moment has decided to stop purchasing mm-hmm. bonds, the two-year bonds.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's right. So there was an article out in Zero Hedge, I think it was. Mm. And plus, just looking at the charts, in the last, so let's say since mid-September, mm-hmm. the three-year bond yield in Australia has gone up by roughly about 500%. Wow. So it was sitting at point 20.20, 20, 22, 22 kind of thing. Yep. And currently, as we are talking, it's still marching upwards, uh sitting at about 1.248. And one of the main reasons for it spiking is uh RBA not buying the three-year bond, uh, which is basically they've skipped the April 2024 bond buy. Uh, that has caused the spike and the reason this spike I think is interesting David is because it tells a story and the story is the interest rates. Now we did discuss that on the podcast last week I think it was that there's a possibility and the week before actually looking at what was happening in the New Zealand markets and uh, the fixed rates in Australia. Um, This is clearly telling a story that there's a likelihood that there will be an early rate rise next year, mm. but um, that doesn't mean that the rates are going to go up vertical. It's just there will be an early rate rise just to calm the market down a bit, see what the impact on the market is, I think. And then after that, it's a wait and watch story, in my opinion. All that, I think that's what it's telling us more or less. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, as soon as we hear that the RBA is stopped buying these two and three year bonds to keep it low, that's kind of indication to say, you know, the the, the the rate are likely to start to creep up north. It's just, I do agree with you that I don't think it's going to be a huge figure, you know, so people don't need to panic at this point in time, um, because RBA certainly don't want to bankrupt people. <laughs> they know they're going to, if, if you put too much rate on, it's... Um, it's it's going to go against what they're trying to achieve at the moment, which is stability in terms of the economy, right? Mm-hmm. So, but ultimately, I think this all leads to because of the fact that the inflation figures are starting to come in a lot higher. I think it was three uh, percent based on what uh, what's just been released a few days ago. Um so that's exceeded what, in general, uh, you know the target, which I think was around what two, two point something. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. that was beyond. So that's what that's what sparked the conversation with economists to say that hey, maybe RBA will need to raise the interest rate a lot earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. But how much? I guess that's the big question. And um, you know, you did you did mention that uh, yeah, there might probably will be a soft, a mild uptick. And uh, I, I'm looking at an article uh, here, which basically says that the um, the uh, the economist from Westpac, which is uh, Bill Evans, uh, I'm sure a lot of people's heard of his name, chief economist at Westpac. He's um he's actually he's actually jumped out and he's actually come to say, hey, he's actually anticipating that RBA will increase the cash rate as early as February 2023, which means the, the you know the home loan rates are likely to move, but it's from 0.1 percent to 0.25 percent. So that's only a 15 BPS increase in Mm. this instance. So, you know, I think that echoes what you were saying before, Jazz, basically, you know, put it up a little bit and then see how the market reacts in that instance. Um, And according to Bill Evans' forecast, he believes that this is going to happen on a few assumptions. The unemployment will fall from 4.6% now to about 3.8% by the end of 2022. Okay, so he's actually very, very positive in terms of the the employment market is going to go very strong and therefore the unemployment rate is going to go down. And that gives a good opportunity for RBA to raise a little bit of the rates to see how they go. And that will also and he also thinks that this in turn will then push the wage growth, which is a key important factor. They want wage growth, you know, price growth, uh, uh, house property price growth has gone way too much. Now we need wage growth to come up. So he believes that that should push the wage growth from 1.7 to 2.8 percent, which will then also push up inflation as well, and that's what we're already seeing at the moment. So, what do you reckon about that piece of news, Jazz?
1: Yeah, I'll be surprised any more than 0.25 rate rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can happen uh, just to calm the market down a bit, but after that, it will be a wait and watch story. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're heading into more normal period now where the vaccines have been rolled out. Yeah. The vaccinated, jabbed. So there'll be obviously a lot of data to be watched and see the numbers over the Christmas period and all. So I think I think next year, early next year kind of thing, the picture will be much more clearer. Mm-hmm. But we'll stick to a gun saying point maybe 0.25 kind of thing next year and then wait and watch story for six to twelve months.
0: Yeah. And I think the key here is, you know, like like what we've been harping on, it's not going to be a big jump. You know, we're not talking about a 1% or anything like that. US tried it before and then they had to roll it back. And I'm sure Australia is going to learn from it as well. So, you know, we're only looking at a mile uptick in this case. So uh, borrowers don't need to panic too much, I think, based on that news. Um, having said that, though, I think last week or the week before, we also covered the fact that Uh, most of the banks have raised their two-year fixed rate. So that's in line with what we're seeing here at the moment, right? The two-year bond yield curve has gone up or the three-year bond curve yield has also gone up, which means the funding source is going to be more expensive and therefore the banks are putting up their fixed rates because of the cost of getting funds is going to be more expensive and they're going to pass that on to the consumers. So Mm -hmm. I think all the stories align together.
1: Yeah, definitely. Agree on that.
0: Good to that all right so um and then that's then okay so how does that how does that impact the property market then jaz what do you reckon um with this uh with this little bit of uptick on the uh interest rate? do you think it's going to kill the sentiments much you know is it going to stop buyers
1: i don't think so i think i think what will end up happening is uh because we uh subject to seeing the numbers yeah uh, for the christmas period but i think they're going to be pretty positive to be honest Okay. Um, and with the migration opening up, things getting back to normal, uh, unemployment rate under under the control. So I think property market overall is going to look very positive over the next year or so. Uh, I will not expect another 25% growth next year. But yeah. I think over, overall, the numbers will be very positive still, maybe 10, 15%, whatever that figure turns out to be
0: single-digit growth will be a lot more acceptable, especially when people are already finding affordability is being an issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And talking about affordability, uh, there's an article this week from Domain talking about Melbourne's house and unit prices have hit the record high. I think Melbourne has now averaged over 1 mil in terms of the average prices. Mm-hmm. Jas is nodding his head very, very happily, of course. <laughs> as a proud Melbourneian Mal- Mal- <laughs> let's put it that way. You guys are... Are certainly, doing the dash now that uh Victoria is also getting some norm back, so um, but yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't think it was that long ago when we when we talk about a lot of Sydney suburb have just cracked the one mil um sub uh yeah, the, the mark, and now Melbourne's uh on average is also hitting that uh, yeah. achievement, which is uh yeah, isn't, it, isn't, isn't,
1: isn't that amazing? I mean, two years ago, uh, when we started the pod. Uh, yeah. The average price was what about, about 600K or 700K. I think it was about 600K ish in Melbourne. Mm, mm. And we have surpassed over a mile now. Uh, <laughs> so, it tells the story of what's happened over the last two to three years within the property space, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That's but true. not not a lot to add over there other than that. Yeah, I mean, all of this was discussed. So, it's, a, it's a, it just. Tells you a picture at a very high level of what's happening in the property market. I think. Mm.
0: Yeah. Although, in an interesting point, though, I mean, you know, we're talking about these prices growing so quickly, especially during the COVID period. Um, but, you know, the reality is it's money's losing value. Direct. Fast than ever, faster than ever. So, hmm. to a degree, it's kind of, you know, they, with all this money printing it actually caused the effect that people think that yes it's a wealth effect right Uh, yeah you know my property has gone up in value but at the same time everything else has gone up as well so i know John's been always been harping on this and you know he said you know you gotta you gotta measure something uh different you you can't use that to uh, you know you can't measure your wealth based on a dollar figure because you know, the dollar figure keeps losing its value. So you might have to measure it against gold or something that's a bit more static to actually get a true reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, Shandy's not here. Otherwise, I'll get him to take, I'll get him, him to give us a 10-minute speech on that. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So you got to I mean, look at it from another doing, perspective.
1: Property, property is doing its job. It's acting as a store of wealth it is, or yeah. a store of value, which, which is why people buy investment properties or house right. in general, all right? So it's protecting the wealth against all this, uh, currency that has been debased over the last whatever ten years or so. so mm. Yeah, makes perfect yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that also explains why a lot of people are putting money into crypto as well, because obviously using that as a bit of storage of wealth or um, value too. So uh,
1: there, there's a lot of gamble that happens in that space. There's <laughs> <laughs> so a lot more than that. A lot more than just a storage, isn't it? So fair enough. I, I, I don't think it's fair to call all the coins. Uh, a store of wealth i think they uh, 99.9% of them are pump and dump kind of thing to a
0: degree residential property could do the same as well i'm sure there's a lot of speculators at the moment trying to time the market right well, and they try should, to pump and dump
1: yeah that's a that's a really good point if you especially if you look at the mining towns and all mm. they're the perfect perfect example of pump and dump so uh, as the mining starts to take off or just before the takeoff, the property prices double triple Yep. Of and after that, all of a sudden you're sitting on a 90% loss. <laughs> I've seen that happen uh, happen in mining towns uh, repeatedly. And guarantee it's gonna happen again this
0: time, right? Because when there's opportunity, when there's speculation, people um yeah, people are just gonna to to get uh, get hooked into that kind of uh high risk, high return type of asset. Except it's yeah, it's it's risky because you gotta time you gotta time it really well. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not for
1: okay. an average punter or a faint-hearted, faint-hearted person. So mm, yeah.
0: mm. I don't know how we even define average punter nowadays, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit hard to define that, but yeah, uh, yeah no. But it's good, good. Uh, I think Melbourne's obviously catching up after all that lockdown that's been happening across COVID. Second lockdown, I've lost track of how many lockdowns you guys have. Number six or number seven now? I think
1: it was number six, but I'm hoping it was the last one. Yeah,
0: Yeah. hopefully Hopefully last one. So I think the property market, Melbourne should... uh, And once they open up the borders, I think Melbourne is primed for further growth. That's for sure, given that it's one of the biggest immigration city in Australia. What do you reckon is going to happen to the regionals, Uh, Jazz? regional areas.
1: So there was a great article out on the regionals and I think it makes perfect sense, not that the, of uh, hoping that the city goes back to the CBD goes back to normal. Mm. Uh, I think that whole tree change will slow down a bit. Overall regional will get impacted a little bit. CBD will start to pick up a bit. People will start to come back. So regional is naturally going to get impacted, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's definitely on the uh, on, on one of the to do or the or the to do list on the, on the um, the premiers for each of the state. How do we how do we revitalise the CBD after it's being suffered uh, suffered such a uh, during the lockdown period? right? Like you see so many shops closed down uh, over the lockdown period; just, they just could not survive at all um, because of the longer the prolonged lockdown and uh, people not coming to work. So um, I know previously. Before the second, uh, before the the three months lockdown that we just had in Sydney, I know the previous pre- uh, premier Gladys was trying to try to, re- um, try to push that project to get people back into the CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure what's going to happen with our current premier, but I'm pretty sure that the idea, like you said, is not to abandon it, but to more of a, you know, how can we actually get people back into the CBD to stimulate spending and to continue. To get people back into the commercial space and offices mm-hmm. as well so um but yeah like but yeah essentially which will mean they'll try to attract people back from this uh, changing back from tree change and sea change and into moving more closer to the cbd whether that's for work purposes whether that's for any other purposes who knows um but yeah and that would make sense in terms of why the regional may continue to still grow, but it's probably not going to grow at the pace that
1: we were looking at previously. Yeah. Who knows? I, think, I think overall regional will still look pretty good with the okay. working, but yep. uh, uh, there obviously is going to be a little bit of impact compared to the way it has performed mm. in the last couple of years, I think.
0: It is a revolution, uh, quite quite a bit of change because you know, um, before COVID, who would have thought the possibility of working a few days remotely? will be possible, but now everyone or most of the employees that I've spoke to about, they all want some sort of working from home arrangement, Mm -hmm. you know, and still happy to come into the city to work, you know, maybe two or three days, but they want to be able to work from home, you know, maybe 50% of the time as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very interesting. So we'll keep our uh, keep our uh, eyes on that space uh, to see what's going to happen to the regional house prices in the next few months. The data will tell, um, you know. And I know John will be keeping us updated in terms of all the core logic figures. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it happens. All right. So um, I think that's pretty much it for the property and the finance side of things this week. There's been there's, there's heaps of crypto stuff that we can talk about, but before we jump into that, um, I think there's one that we might want to get out of the way. Jazz, um, mm. you pointed out earlier this week that Canada is actually quietly acquiring gold. Um, <laughs> you know, if you look at the the graph, I think you, you shared a graph with us uh, looking at 2021. They've um, haven't they? Haven't actually made any announcement, of course, but. It's a hockey stick in terms of their actual action here. You know, start of 2021, they uh they, they started acquiring gold at what? Is that 100% in terms of the gold reserve that you're looking at?
1: Or? Uh, so, I mean, when you look at the chart, it's a flat line since 2004 up mm. until 2020. 2020, 2021 kind of thing, late 2020, yep. 2021. And from there, it's straight up a hockey stick of mm. the amount of gold that they have acquired. Uh, all that tells you is that there's more to the story to be found, but it's being acquired very silently. So, I uh, don't know, don't have a lot to say other than that uh, it's a hockey stick chart and acquiring that much gold after what almost 16 years says that there's something more cooking, cooking to it, I think.
0: Mm. Uh, and I'm sure if John's on here, you'll probably agree as well. But, uh might ask him about that next time now that we have brought the topic up um, to see whether he's got any insider news on that <laughs> who knows he may but uh, yeah look uh, to our listeners i guess it's worth it's worth keeping uh yeah just just keeping a, an eye on it um we don't know what it's why they're doing that but you know all we can do is think that there's a reason behind it uh but we will i guess we'll find out mm-hmm. um sooner or later all right crypto mate so many things to cover. Where do we start?
1: Where do we start? I don't know, man. There's so much happening in this space that it's impossible to keep a tap (laughs) on it. Um, But to start with, I think the biggest piece of news, in my opinion, was pension funds. Mm -hmm. So lately, as of I think last week or the week before, the pension fund in US and in South Korea have started working on uh, strategy to acquire crypto within their pension fund, or specifically Bitcoin, was mentioned. I, I, I think 2021 has made Bitcoin a legal asset class more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, with the hedge funds, with the pension funds, especially likes of pension funds when they jump into it, uh, that says a lot. So uh, well, I think it's just stamped it as a asset class uh, for the future.
0: Yeah, it's being looked that, at very differently. Yeah,
1: exactly. That it does. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be volatile, or that doesn't mean that you cannot see a ninety percent drop in it.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess I guess the way I look at it is, uh, you know, from a from a very outsider perspective is. And and like I said, before we come on air, these fund managers really got balls, don't they? I mean, to a degree. (laughs) like Superannuation or pension funds typically are, you know, uh, people would prefer to put it into more of a reserve or, you know, conservative type of asset classes because that is something that you want to make sure that you can see the money when you need it at the time you retire. Mm -hmm. But if they're starting to diversify into these more risky asset classes, not that there's anything wrong with it, but at the same time, you know, like I said, before end of the financial year on the thirty-first, on the 30th of June 2021, you might see your superannuation being around $100,000. Whereas when you tick over on the 1st of July, Bitcoin has done the fly. You'll be looking at a $500,000 all of a sudden. And then maybe by the end of the year, 31st of December, it'll drop back down to $50,000. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll have that kind of appetite. But uh, yeah, it, it, to your point, I think it is interesting that the view of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin from these U.S. and South Korea pension funds has definitely changed mm-hmm. in 2021.
1: It's, yeah. it's a massive change. And I think I think in terms of the allocation, it still will be very low, yeah. 0.5 one percent kind of kind of thing. Um, but if that one percent can uh, earn them an extra percent all up in their return, so instead of five percent return, mm. uh, if they get a six percent return, just uh, because of all this volatility, uh, I think uh, is a pretty safe play. So, uh, makes sense. No surprises over there. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, gives more legitimacy to the to the asset class. That's true. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Now that's a good one, definitely. The oh. government of okay. India is planning to define uh, cryptocurrency as an asset class. Yeah.
1: I think that's the biggest piece of news this week. Um, that the government of India is planning on defining cryptocurrency as an asset class, which means they're working on the regulations, including taxation, payments, um, and how it acts as an investment vehicle. So they're working on a bill for that. I think they've banned and unbanned crypto space three or four times in the last few years. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I think finally, India has made up its mind and uh, they're working on a bill now just to legalize legalize it. and yep work out the finest details on how to tax it and all that stuff. So uh, India is what a population of roughly billion people. Uh, so uh, it's very positive for the space. I think very, very positive. Uh,
0: that's a huge, that's a huge news definitely, you know, so, which means they, they decided to embrace cryptocurrency, right? Uh, as, a, as a legitimate asset commodity for all purposes. So again, I think it echoes what you were saying previously. 2021 is the year where Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are being, uh, has transitioned into an, an, an asset class. Yeah, than so other
1: than being a speculative asset class, it's now mm. an asset class with still a lot of volatility. Yeah, so, asset
0: class with volatility. Yeah. Maybe that's the best way to to put it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: But whereas you know, last year, this time, people might still raising an eyebrow. Right, and in, in 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 October 2021, with so many countries now coming out openly embrace it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a totally
1: different story again. It's a very different um, story compared to last year. Uh, uh, likes of hedge, like we said before, hedge funds, pension funds, India, yeah, um, China. I think there was a news out this week, whether it's a rumor or not, we don't know, but they are thinking of unbanning Kryptona. Na, so. <laughs> <laughs> Three we'll months see. ago, they banned it. Now they're thinking of um, removing the ban. Which, um, when they banned it, I think was the biggest uh, disaster, strategic disaster for the comp- country. But mm. uh, we'll see what happens overall.
0: Yeah, I think the other, the other one, the other one similar to China to a, to a degree previously was I think Nigeria is looking at launching their own cryptocurrency this week as well, right? E Naira, I think yeah. it was that was what it's called. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. They're they just they're one of the countries that are looking to basically launch their own cryptocurrency as well. So it's it's interesting. Some some. I mean, do you, do you think that in the long run, every country is going to have their own cryptocurrency?
1: I think yes, they will have their uh, digital version of the yeah. current currency. Uh, uh, there you see is the exponential growth as these uh, countries launch their wallets and digital currency, uh, and start to use it, basically. yeah. So Nigeria is the, uh, another good example, because I think Nigeria's inflation rate is about 15%. Whoa. So uh, I think crypto will probably act in their favor when you when you see an inflation rate of 15%, you want to hedge to that. And exactly. the only hedge currently is, with that kind of returns, is basically crypto.
0: So it does make sense, you know, especially for those countries who got such a high inflation right, uh, rate at which their money is losing value extremely fast, right? Mm-hmm. So I totally understand why people would be looking at having an option of a digital currency and rolling out digital wallet. It would be very, very exciting to see digital wallets, um, you know, with different type of n- cryptocurrency across different nations that you can actually use to purchase different things, you know? And I don't think that day is too far away from us
1: at all. I think see a. Uh, a trial version of that uh, in Australia within the next few years as well. Mm. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think one of the other big pieces of news which we did discuss discussed last week was Facebook. Yep. So Facebook have finally changed their name to Meta, which reflects Metaverse. Um, and obviously, they did launch their cryptocurrency wallet as well. So, uh, Facebook is obviously. Uh, changing the whole strategic plan of the way Facebook will be in future and how it will integrate into this metaverse, cryptocurrency, AR landscape. Essentially, mm. so I think I think that's a that's a that's a big deal uh, when a company like Facebook, which is worth a lot of billion dollars with three billion users, uh, decides to make a strategic shift and also change the name from Facebook to Meta.
0: Soon there won't be, well, soon, soon I think everything will be calling a meta rather than a Facebook, right? They, they've got a lot more ambitions than just having the Facebook, which I think Facebook is going to be, like I said, it's going to be a family of apps being mm-hmm. one of them, one of the whole metaverse uh, concept, right? So, Yeah. Ah, I,
1: think, I, think that's, I think that's really exciting. That's the space to watch. Uh, yeah. Facebook is also working on their NFT platform, which is uh, for the digital art, essentially. Yeah, so, Again relates to crypto nft tokens so i think it's it's a it's a space to watch i wonder i was actually looking at the facebook stock price this morning and it's it's dropped by i think in the last couple of weeks uh, by 15 20% but just that's just the market reaction i think i think over the, over, over time it will respond really well
0: like always the knee-jerk reaction,
1: right? Like <laughs> the funny thing that I alluded
0: to that was that every time when Tesla reports it's a profit in the quarter, the the, the share market would go down or its <laughs> share market, would, its shared value would go down instead. I was, like, well, I was just scratching my head to say, how does that work? But anyway, like a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, I think over time it will start catching up again. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But hats off to Mark Sarkapag, who's, um, I mean, it's it's changing the, you're, you're trying to, change the engine of a flying airplane. So it's not an easy job. Bold call, but Gron Zuckerberg.
0: I think he's a bit like um, a bit like Elon Musk to that degree. You know, they've both got visions in terms of how the future world is going to be look like and how it's going to shape it. Mm-hmm. And they've and both got the ability to be able to execute and lead the company towards the right direction, leading into revolutionary type of, yeah, um, yeah so that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Mark Zuckerberg the same time you know such a young enthusiastic leader um and um yeah he's uh he, he's uh, he's certainly going to be um uh, one of the names that's going to be on history a bit like Steve Jobs um mm-hmm. you know to uh, you know, when they may 10 years down the track uh will be looked at very differently
1: mm-hmm. so- um I think that's pretty much it in the crypto space and the price is reflecting everything that we're discussing so ethereum yeah. obviously hit its new all-time high as we were talking. So yeah, I think next few months, or or let's just say Q4, Q1, and maybe Q2 will be very interesting in this space. I think it's a space to watch.
0: Bitcoin's really going to, sorry, the cryptocurrency in general are just going to take it to the next level, isn't it?
1: it Looks like with all the pieces of news that are coming, I mean, they're they're all very, very bullish pieces of news. Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, Yeah. And the and the ETF the other day as well, right? Exactly. So yeah. yeah,
1: so it's one after the other. Uh, the list just keeps growing.
0: Soon, soon, soon our soon our podcast will be eighty percent crypto, twenty percent property, one percent commodity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that how it works?
1: <laughs> John's not gonna like that. John's not gonna <laughs> like
0: that. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Uh, all good, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's it's something that we we should um, or any any astute investor should be keeping an eye on in the next few months in terms of how the cryptocurrency market is going to behave. But at the moment, it's all bullish news, mm-hmm.
1: basically. So definitely. every week, uh, yeah. To the listeners, again, none of this is financial advice or investment investment advice. Do your own research. Uh, don't over over leverage. Play safe. Stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday. John, sorry, David and Jazz.